When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Well, they didn't come here to deal with a doggone thing. I just came here to hear the drummer's cymbal ring. There ain't no way you can put me down. I just want to say that hell's my wife's hometown. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to discuss my wife's hometown from the 2009 album Together Through Life is returning Bobcat, Doug LaRose. Hi, Doug. Welcome back. Rob, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. This is appearance number four for you. We are one. You are one appearance away from getting the jacket. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to uh, to fourth time around just before we, uh, <laughs> just before we jumped on just to get into the into the mood. <laughs> Threw out my gum. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're here to as I said, we're here to talk about uh, a song from a record that doesn't so far have gotten has gotten a whole lot of play here on Bob Dylan. I think this is only the second song from Together Through Life that uh, I've had a chance to to talk about. I mean, I think Together Through Life is a uh, a, a fun record, a great record. I don't, I think of the 20th century, 21st century works, it's the least one uh, of mm-hmm. the originals. But I mean, man, there's a lot of great stuff here. So uh, I, I was happy that when you suggested this, that it was something from this record. Because I, you know, all of uh, Bob's uh, vinyl children deserve to be treated with respect. And, <laughs> you know, in their own, they get their own due consideration. So I'm glad we're finally uh, talking about another song uh, from this record. So, so why? Why my wife's hometown, Doug? Well, Rob, um, I feel like your show has been building up to this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the day has finally come. You know, we've, we've slogged through obscure songs like Visions <laughs> of Johanna and Every Grain of Sand and Blind Willie McTell. And here we are. This is the peak. This is the, this is peak Dylan right here. No, I, I, I actually, I really like this song. Um, when I, you know, like you said, uh, this isn't a record that gets a lot of attention. Um, and, and when it first came out, I really did not like this album. I, <laughs> I was like, oh no, what's, what's, what's happening here? It just, the Robert Hunter, you know, co-writing all the songs. and um, that's, a, that's always a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> I hate to say that, <laughs> yeah. but it's always a little like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, over the years, it, it's grown on me a little bit. I've, not a lot. It, it, you know, I'll take a line from the song. Plenty, re- plenty to remember, plenty to forget <laughs> um, <laughs> on this album. Um, but this is one of those songs that I actually really like. And it just sounds like Dylan is having a hell of a time, like just like having a blast in the studio. And um, so, yeah, I always come back to it. I think it's a funny song. Um, I think it's, there's not too much to chew on. I think it's pretty straightforward to be honest, um, but I love it. I think it's, it's Dylan having a good time in the studio and what more could you want? You know? <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, it is a very fun song. Like you get, I mean, obviously it, the, 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 the studio version ends with him laughing repeatedly for Pete's <laughs> sake, which is not something you heard, you know, a whole lot of, I mean, you know, there's some instances ballad of a thin man here and there where you hear him chuckling, but uh, you know, not not, and, and there's even something on rough and rowdy ways too. Uh, but uh, you know, you don't. It's it's funny how long you hear him laugh. And I always find it interesting about that Bob, either through how he records his own voice, because I mean, as we understand, he's basically working as his own producer through all of these records, uh, versus mm-hmm. how he chooses to sing it. He obviously can turn up 
or turn down the phlegmy kind of, you know, gravel thing. Because when he went to do the Sinatra records, the, the voice is a lot smoother, you know? And I mean, maybe that's like, that's the, 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 the voice that we heard on the, this, the cover records is his version of like the Nashville skyline voice. Like that's what he can do now is that version. But it's so like this, this song in particular, he is leaning into the, the phlegmy gravel thing big time. I mean, it is just so, you know what I mean? He's like really doing the Tom Waits thing. And knowing that he can do other things, even on this record, that's obviously a choice. It's a conscious choice that he's going for that um, hound dog. You know, I mean, the guy, you know, the, the refrain is talking about hell itself. So he's definitely <laughs> picking that kind of vocal uh, performance. Now, you mentioned that he co-wrote this with Robert Hunter, the Grateful Dead lyricist who passed away just a couple of years ago. And it's funny because this song has another writer credit, which is Willie Dixon, uh, you know, the great blues artist. And that's because from what we understand, the, 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 the melody of the song is taken from Willie Dixon's song, I Just Want to Make Love to You. Now, of course, we know that Bob steals melodies all the time from <laughs> other songs, and he doesn't see fit to credit the original writers. I mean, they, there was that whole thing about false prophet and uh, early Roman Kings and someday baby. Those are all tunes that he's lifted from other sources and he didn't feel the need to credit those writers. So I find it interesting that for this one, it says it right on the website written by Bob Dylan with Robert Hunter and Willie Dixon. So he felt obviously the borrowing was to the point where he felt it was necessary to give Willie Dixon credit. Yeah. I thought that was odd too. I mean, especially because I think, the Willie Dixon version is probably uh, uh, what is it called public domain where there's no longer. I think uh, so. Yeah. Copyright. That copyright. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you actually read the lyrics and, and listen to that song, I mean, there, there's like no similarities. It's, it's purely just the melody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of odd. And also it, it's kind of like just a regular blues sounding song. I mean, if you, if you listen to that, to the Willie Dixon version and then this song, it's, it's like, you can kind of hear the similarity, but it's not, a one-to-one, you know. So, yeah, it is weird that he put, put his name in the credits. Yeah, I mean, lyrically, it's a different song. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, again, I, I'm not sophisticated at all about the music end of it. And I always kind of feel, when I hear someone say, oh, they stole this tune from somebody, I'm always like, well, aren't there just only so many tunes? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, isn't that inevitable? There's how many songs in in the last century isn't there like 40 bajillion songs i mean does it isn't copying just inevitable there's only so many arrangements of notes i would think and especially when you're talking like a blues structure it a lot of blues songs that i mean that's what kind of what they sound like i mean you know um, yeah it's like the boogie woogie you know like yeah even early roman kings and yeah right i mean he actually I mean, that, that's why in the new show is crossing the Rubicon. He kind of just swapped it out for uh, early Roman Kings and like basically plays the same song. Right. <laughs> so. right. Um, <laughs> just as a, a little side note about songwriting, I find it funny that I guess the way, you know, like ASCAP or whoever decides these things works, that like if you borrow a tune from someone else and then you write your own song or you do your own version, you get your name forever associated with this person because it's like when you, if you don't know anything, if you don't know who these people are and you read written by Bob Dylan with Robert Hunter and Willie Dixon, it sounds like they collaborated, you know, yeah, it's it like Bob and Robert Hunter and Willie Dixon were in a room together and wrote the song. And it's like, well, no, Willie Dixon has been dead for however many 
uh, years at this point. So it's like, to me, I'm like, well, that means I could take like my favorite Beatles song and just change it a little and then publish it as Rob Kelly with George Harrison. You know, <laughs> like, why didn't I think of that? That'd be awesome. I would love to have a credit next to George Harrison's name. Why don't I, here comes the moon done. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I'll give, I'll give George's estate all the money. I just want to have that credit with my name next to it. It's kind of funny. Um, so the song continues on the second verse. Well, there's reasons for that. And there's reasons for this. I can't think of any just now, but I know they exist. I'm sitting in the sun till my skin turns brown. Is he in Key West, by the way? Uh, I just want to say that hell's my wife's hometown, hometown, hometown. She can make you steal, make you rob, give you the hives, make you lose your job, make things bad. She can make things worse. She got stuff more potent than a gypsy curse. And we know Bob loves gypsies. He loves putting gypsies in his song. So I agree with you that like lyrically, there's not a whole ton to this. Like you get, it's kind of just a variation on a theme, but it's a fun variation. But it, to me, it's all in the performance. It's he is, as you say, he's having so much fun clearly singing this old timey bluesy number that that's the joy you get from it is that he's, you can just hear it in his vocal performance that he's just like, this is just fun for him to sing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, in terms of, of, of what, what's going on in the song, I, you know, it's, I, I kind of hesitate with my interpretation because it, it, there's a little bit of like the, you remember, you remember that comedian, Jeff Dunham, that sure. puppet guy? Yeah. The puppet guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of his, but he, but he has that, like that kind of like cranky husband character. Mm-hmm. He's always complaining about his wife. Um, and, and, and I, my reading of this song has always been, it's like kind of a play on that theme. Like, mm. like, Oh, you know, like this, my wife drives me crazy. You know, it's, like the old she, battle she axe kind of thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, and, and and it's also like you know, there's a lot of blues songs that are kind of similar to that. It's just about your, you know, your woman driving you crazy or whatever. And I, that's that's basically what I I think it's that simple of a song. <laughs> and I know that people online have probably, you know, they they've drawn parallels to Chaucer and <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I've read some of this stuff, and I've been like. Okay, like, well, I don't know who's, you know, selling your weed, but uh, <laughs> you might want <laughs> to make sure that it's organic, you know. Um. <laughs> they had a whole bag of gummies before they wrote the post or whatever. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I did find a very interesting interpretation of, of this uh, on, a, on a message board. And I'll mention that in a moment. But I will tell you that okay. um, when I first got this record, right, when I first got together through life, and by the way, uh, you know, I didn't even, I didn't mean to knock the record as saying it's my, you know, I think it's the least of the five because it, it's still a great record. I mean, it's, oh yeah, you know, it's like, it, it's like I've said, like, you know, even the worst Bob Dylan song is still better than like a lot of most other people's best songs. But, and, but Together Through Life certainly has a, a distinct identity. You oh, know, yeah. it, it doesn't sound like any of the other records. It doesn't sound like Tempest. It doesn't sound like Modern Times, of which were the re- records that bracketed it. And then, you know, you got to remember on top of it, this was the same year he released Christmas in the Heart. So, I mean, good Lord, the idea of having two all original Bob Dylan records in a year is mm-hmm. like, well, talk about like manna from heaven, you know, like, wow, that's just so like, talking about keeping a bit. I mean, I could have seen Columbia Records uh, or Sony Music, whatever the hell they're called now. Like once he, once <laughs> they decided to put the Christmas record out saying, you know what, let's hold this. You know, let's hold it till next year. And then you've got a record next year. But I mean, to have them out like within a couple of months of each other is amazing. Mm-hmm. But so I listened to this song. I got this record. And I will say most of the songs uh, I are not in like any regular rotation or anything. Some of them are. Like, it's all good. I like a lot. And 
I feel a change coming on and my wife's home. Um, if you ever go to Houston, uh, which was the other song that we covered. Um, so I haven't listened to the song in a little while other than once, once in a blue moon. Right. So then I went to listen to it again in preparation for this. And I listened to some live versions that you sent me links to, and we'll talk about that too. But I always, you know, the, my first interpretation of the song was always just, yeah, the, just my wife's the battle axe. And this is just that kind of song. You know, it's that sort of thing. My wife's just this hellion and, you know, whatever. But for whatever reason, after you, after I started doing the research for this, I got a whole different take on it out of nowhere. Like it just popped into my head. And, and if you read the lyrics, it get, the song goes on. Uh, one of these days I'll end up on the run. I'm pretty sure she'll make me kill someone. I'm going inside, roll the shutters down. I just want to say that hell is my wife's hometown. But there's plenty to remember, plenty to forget. I can still remember the day we met. I lost my reason long ago. My love for her is all I know. And then he ends it with, state gone broke, the county's dry. Don't go looking at me with that evil eye. Keep on walking. Don't be hanging around. I'm telling you again that hell's my wife's hometown. Hometown, hometown. So when I, when I started listening to it again, my other interpretation was, and I, I was about to say, some of the lyrics don't match up to this, but when did they ever? <laughs> it's not the battle axe thing. It's this guy, wherever he is now, he is in some you know, run downtown. I mean, that's always with Bob Dylan songs. It's always in a kind of dodgy place. And this person that he's talking to is trying to like screw with him. Right. You know, for, in some context, they're trying the guy, the guy that he's talking to is trying to lean on him or, or force him to do something. And this guy is sort of, the singer is sort of saying, look, I may seem a little underwhelming, but my wife she will effing kill you. That's like, that was my take on it. When I listened to it again, it was like, you do not want to mess with me because my wife, we've been through a lot. She's lit. Her hometown is literally hell. She will come and kill you. That was my other interpretation of this song. Now, again, I don't know where it came from. It literally just popped into my head when I was listening to the live version. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could see that. I mean, and, and one way to, to interpret that to, with that kind of take is, is that you know coming from from hell? If she's like this evil person from you know the, hell's her hometown, she's had an influence on him mm-hmm. that will make him do all of these really crazy things. And and actually, that's the tie-in with Chaucer that people made. There's some lyric from the Canterbury Tales about okay. um, where where there's a, there's a, a wife that's making her husband like torture servants or something. And then um, there's a, the, so the line where she'll make me kill someone comes from that. Well, that ah, this is gotcha. this is the interpretation that you know I read in, in the uh, on the internet, which is you know <laughs> the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could find yeah, you could probably find any kind of interpretation. But I actually I thought that I thought it, it fit pretty well with like certain verses of the song, and, and you know, and, and I think it actually kind of jives with the take that you just gave as well. Yeah, there's something about that the line in the last the last verse. Don't be looking at me with that evil eye. Like the guy is now th- the guy's sort of threatening the guy he's talking to. You know, like don't be looking at me like <laughs> yeah. that. And it's almost like again, you might beat me up. You might probably we're probably in a crappy saloon, and you might break a bottle and try and you know cut me up with it. But if my wife comes to get you, you are effed. You are absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I just I. To me, I, I sort of like that version better because to me it gave the song more depth. It made it a little less old-timey misogynistic 
of just like, right. oh, the wife's yeah. an old battle act, blah, 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 blah. And there's just something about that that I, that I really liked. And it was so weird because, like I said, this song is not in my regular listening rotation, not that I really have one, but I haven't heard it in a while. And so I don't know where that other one, why it came into my head so fully formed, but it just <laughs> sort of did. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's all right. I could, I could, I can go with that. That seems to make uh, total sense to me. So um, now I want to talk about the uh, the live versions, but before we get to that, I I went on the internet, of course, the internet, and looked up what other people <laughs> thought of this song, and I think I even saw the Chaucer thing, too. Um, but anyway, I found there's some other website, and there were two comments about this song, and I don't mean to nutpick because it's not fair, but I just found it really funny as an example to the rabbit holes in which Dylan fans can willingly throw themselves into if they want. So regarding this song, somebody left a comment that says, is it just me or does anyone else find the song a bit silly and funny? Yeah, sure. That seems reasonable, right? It's silly. Absolutely funny. Yeah. I mean, that's a completely reasonable take, but here's the response. A bit silly and funny. Well, yes. If you aren't aware of its meaning, I believe it is a, here, here we go. I believe it is a pointer to where Bob's convictions lie. If you watch the 60 Minutes interview, you can see him claim to have made a bargain with someone or something a long time ago to get him where he is today. The, quote, chief commander of this world and the world we can't see, unquote. He is initiated into the occult world of the Freemasons. I believe around the time of another side of Bob Dylan, either shortly before or shortly after he was scouted out by the PTB, as a potential threat to their agenda. His next album, oh bringing God. it all, his next, as they're not done yet. His next album, bringing it all back home has a much more esoteric and abstract theme to it. The songs on that he refers to as magical. A recent video by little Wayne. Oh good. Little Wayne's into this now betrays him being, <laughs> betrays him being initiated by a beautiful woman. The beautiful woman is a symbol of what the devil has to offer as very appealing. Vis-a-vis hell's my wife's hometown. Bob still retains much control over his creative output. Nevertheless, he's still tied by the bargain he made in the past. Whoever or whatever he made that bargain with, he refers to as his wife in the song, Lucifer. So he's being honest to anyone with ears to hear. Hell's his wife's hometown, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Rob, <laughs> I, I, I think that there needs, this is an opportunity for a, you know, a public service announcement that, you know, you know just be, <laughs> don't go too deep. <laughs> There were so many things, again, I, I, I don't know when this person left this comment, and I don't mean to nutpick because that's not yeah. really fair. But the, the reason, the, the thing that made me laugh about it was not so much the, 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 the rabbit hole, again, in which this person went down, that Bob's a member of the Freemasons and stuff. That's just hysterical to me. But it's, it's, the, it's the fact that the first poster has a completely reasonable take. This song yes. seems a bit silly and funny. And the next person comes in is like, no, 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 no. Let me hip you, dear simpleton, to the real truth. And that to me is the part that's funny where it's somebody comes in and is just like, let me hip you to my personal wisdom. Bob's a member of the Freemasons. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> Little Wayne. I'm like, where are we going with this? <laughs> so I, I really, I really appreciate that because that, that is – you know, if, if Bob Dylan internet social media websites, you have a lot of, you're just like, oh yeah, I really like this song, you know, and you could be talking about, um, you know, something from Rough and Rowdy Ways, like, I made up my mind to give myself to you, and it's like, oh, I really like, it's a nice, like, nice song, and then somebody will inevitably 
like, oh well, yeah, well, I wrote a thesis on this song, and you know, like, and, and, and I'm taking it all the way back to you know the, the ancient Greeks, and it's just like, okay, well, I'll just continue to listen to it and enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole, there was a, a whole run. Did you ever read the um, the Doonesbury comic strip? Is that ever anything that you were engaged with at any point during its run? Uh, yes, yeah, but but like very like like. Like superficially right yeah. there for in the 70s there was a whole run uh where bob dylan was in dunesbury oh. as as bob dylan but he wasn't on screen on panel like he would be talking and you would just see the little word balloons you know and because one of the other characters in dunesbury was a musician and so this guy was hanging out with bob dylan and there was this there was this whole run i remember where the the the, the dunesbury character is trying to plumb the depths of like meaning of some song. And then you see off panel, Bob Dylan responding saying, I just wanted it to rhyme, man. (laughs) It's like a very reasonable thing. And it's like, I would, I would love to see Bob Dylan's reaction. If you read him that comment of like, well, this proves you're in the Freemasons, right, Bob. And what does little Wayne have to do with this? You know, like I get to see Bob being like, what, (laughs) what are you you talking about? What? He he would probably chuckle and be like, "Oh man, you know." Like, was, I I, I just listened to a Jeff Dunham record, and I was like thinking of old yeah. Battleback Wise. What are we What are we talking about? That's what you know. It's like it's just amazing. So I just thought that was that was very very funny. Yeah, in some ways he doesn't help. In some way he in some ways he doesn't help though because he like he he you know maintains this shield of mystery around him where it's it's like he won't he won't even give a simple take. So it's kind of like. Well, you know, maybe maybe this is like really cryptic, you know, kind of mysterious stuff. You know? <laughs> so, oh, that's true. Yeah, sometimes he leans into it and says stuff, and he just goes, "What in the hell is he talking about? Like, what, what, Bob? Like, come on, you can't you just, you know?" But yeah, I just thought, I don't, I did that just cracked me up to no end. It's like you sometimes you can read too much into things, but again, it's not even that. It's it's the attitude of you, you right. are enjoying this on a superficial level. I'm the I'm the oracle. Let me explain. It's like, all right, okay. You know, I mean, you know. Geez. So, yeah. um, so anyway, live wise, uh, this has only been performed twenty times. That's it, from October two thousand nine to April two thousand eleven, and uh, that was it. Now, you sent me a couple of uh, live versions that you found uh, on YouTube, and uh, they're terrific. I mean, he doesn't change the say it's the tune. He doesn't really change the tune in any real way, and the the words, as far as I could tell, were uh, the same. But again, you could hear that the band is leaning into it and he's clearly really having a good time singing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love, I, I, like I've, I've listened to a few more uh, since I, I listened to those two versions. And I, I, every single time he plays that song, you can just tell he's having a ball and, and, and yeah, he's leaning into it. He's growling. He's, he's a you know, hometown, you know, he's kind <laughs> of, it, it, it's a great, it's, it's a great song. You can just tell that, um, Anybody, it's a band song. It's like the kind of song that a blues band would want to play over and over again. Because mm-hmm. it just has that, like, you know, it has that groove to it that's just, you know, really infectious. And, and yeah, you can just tell he's having a, a damn good time. And, and, you know, I think 20 times is the appropriate number of times to play it. Um, uh, I, I would have liked to have seen it. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's every single version I've heard, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't sound like he's struggling to get through it or, or frustrated with it or anything. So, yeah, it's 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 a great. I, it would be loved to. It would be great to see him bring it back. <laughs> yeah, you pointed out to me the the one one of the versions is that the one from Boston that's the soundboard yeah, recording. Yeah, um, and we were talking about this off air that it's like you think about that. You know, he's been getting uh, soundboard recordings of every presumably every NET 
show since like mm-hmm. 1987, right? I mean, maybe, maybe not every single one, maybe they're here and there, but for the most, I mean, you know, he's got this, you know, he's got the backing of a major recording company. They've got the resources to make sure that they are getting the highest quality recordings. And you think about that means there's probably at least one crystal clear version of every concert he's done in the last 30 years. I mean, that, when you start imagining it, you're like, it's like the final shot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, I mean, you're just like, you think about how much material that is to perm from and how if Sony wanted to, you know, I mean, they could put out a box set of the never ending tour live material and it could be, you know, like a 10 CD set. And even then you'd be doing what, like 1% of what's out there. I mean, just the sheer volume of it is just overwhelming. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, there, there would be so much to chew on too, because I mean, even with this, uh, these, the last two tours, the Rough and Rowdy Way tours, the, the amount of, of change, like I, I was kind of annoyed, like when I first started seeing the set list, like, okay, there's not much going on between shows. And then I started listening to different versions uh, of, of, um, of Gotta Serve Somebody, for example. Mm-hmm. And he was changing the lyrics like every single night to Gotta Serve Somebody. To where when I saw it in D.C., he left out, you know, some of the lines about um, politicians in the White House carving up the meat. You know, the, mm-hmm. that was one of the lines that he had. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, even though these, these, these are the same sets every night, he's looking for little ways to tweak it and screw with people. Like, it's, it's <laughs> wonderful. So it, it's, yeah, there's so much good material that, that you know, is r- right there at the fingertips of Sony or, Sony or Columbia or whatever, you know, the the record company calls itself now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unreal to think about it. Now you mentioned um, the band, like clearly enjoys playing this and, oh, yeah. you know, Bob's muse is Bob's muse. You know, it, it takes him in whatever direction he chooses to go in. And I don't, we don't know their relationship. I'd love to know, you know, I've always said to me, the ultimate biography uh, is one by Tony Garnier. That's the one I want to read, oh, you know, not, not <laughs> Bob, because Bob is good. Bob's going to come from like Mars. I can't relate to that, but I mean, I want to read the Tony Garnier book and that'll probably never happen or whatever, but like, you got to wonder like how does the fact that the band likes to play certain songs over other songs, does that influence Bob at all when they're, when they're amassing the set list or, or not? Is it just, you know, they're his collaborators. They're not, he's, I don't, I like to think he's not like dictatorial and it's just like, Hey guys, this is what we're playing. I hope he's not like that. I would imagine he wouldn't get these guys to play with him as long as he, as long as they have, if he was like that. But at the same time, like, I can't, you know, just, just, does Garnier get a say, you know, or at least get to say, hey, you know what, this one is, we, you know, we love doing this one, you know, versus not so much this one, uh, that kind of thing. Or I got to wonder, like, you know, they're really enjoying playing my wife's hometown. And then Bob, after 20 songs, is like, nah, forget it. You know, and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'd love to know that dynamic. Well, I think that, that um, I don't know if you ever heard the outtakes of um, uh, Tell Old Bill. Um, oh yes, yes I have. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I I thought that was very insightful to listen to that. There was a lot of he's kind of like, well, you know, let's try this in like D flat now, and then mm-hmm. we can hear him kind of laughing and like chatting with the band. I, when I hear like Together Through Life is one of those albums that uh, when I listen to it, that's why I like it is because you can tell that he sat down with this group of musicians, you know, David Hidalgo with his accordion and all the other musicians, and it was just like 
hey, here's some songs, you know, let's just like, let's, let's just have fun with this. <laughs> you know, there's probably a lot of cigarettes being smoked and, you know, the, the whiskey being <laughs> consumed and, you know, just kind of jamming, you know, and, and, you know, they're, they're I, I think he is, you know, we, we look at him as this like poet, you know, and this winner, winner of the you know Nobel prize in literature. And, but I think at, at, at heart, he's, he's a musician, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that wants to sit down and, make a song sound good, you know, and then let, let the fans listen to it and, and enjoy it. And, and that's why he's, you know, he messes with his music so much is because he's, he's, he keeps on trying to find that, that lost chord, you know, that makes it all work. <laughs> right. And he's not regarding it as sacred. And that's, that even kind of yeah. gets back to this song is that, as you say, I mean, he's been given every honor there is to get at this point, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, talk about EGOT, right. He doesn't have an Emmy, but he's got, he's got an Oscar. Uh, did he win it? Did they win Tony's for the, the, that, for the show, the, the, the Martha Graham show? I don't know if, if he got something for that, but I mean, he's got an Oscar. He's got Grammys, certainly. Uh, he doesn't have an Emmy. He may have a Tony, but I mean, he's got, he's got a friggin' Nobel. That should count for something, <laughs> yeah, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, that should count as that he got thing. Good Lord. Good, good luck, Linwell Miranda. But like <laughs> the, the fact that like he, as you say, he does, I think, regard himself as mostly a craftsman. Yeah, working craftsman. That gives him the freedom to write a song like this, which is clearly just like a blues riff, and have fun with it. And not everything is meant to be plumbed to the depths of where he's joining the Freemasons. Like you know what I mean? Like (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like if he was if he was only this high minded poet, that every utterance that comes out of him is you know worthy of. Uh, you know, well, say a podcast talking about it for a half hour, but like, you know, <laughs> just to, you know, just for instance, but like he can also do songs like this that are just kind of rock outs and fun. Yeah. And then the other songs that allows him as a songwriter, a hell of a lot of freedom because not everything has to be, as you say, visions of Johanna. Yeah. Uh, you know, summer days is another song that, that oh, yeah, reminds I love me of that one. Yeah. Whereas this, he's, you can just, I, I can't remember what years it was, but when he would play that song in, in, in his concerts, it was like the highlight of the show. I mean, <laughs> actually got to serve somebody's like that in the, in the current tours, where it's just, they're just, he's having so much fun on stage with that song. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that when you look at a song like Nettie Moore or uh, Working Man's Blues, you kind of picture him in this room with all these books, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's got completely. like a monocle on. You know, like, <laughs> by candlelight, you know? Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> But then, you know, I think for the most part, he's probably, you know, he's probably just sitting with his piano and like, Ooh, yeah, this is good. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I could do that Willie Dixon song. Let's do that. I'll just write some new words to it and uh, yeah. let's do that. So, yeah, like I said it's, it's, it's a fun tune. And like I said, it's big. I love when I get to kind of rediscover something that I hadn't re- that I had sort of just put away in my brain, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and not given a lot more thought to it. But again, it's like I'm like, oh, wow, I, I found the whole new meaning to it which i kind of like i sort of like that a lot and so uh and i wouldn't have done that had you not suggested it so thank you for wanting to do this oh yeah absolutely yeah it's it's a you know i, I feel like we've um we've tackled some doozies you know i mean uh the <laughs> god in angel, general yeah. song tin angel um you know uh, uh, both of those songs i think are are pretty uh pretty epic um but this one i, I just i just felt like it was obscure enough to where you know i not that many people are probably uh, yearning to to you know dissect this song, but but it's <laughs> it's 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 a great fun Dylan song that I think most Dylan fans enjoy, and um, you know is is a bright spot on on a record that you know is a little bit obscure. 
<laughs> Absolutely, I would say that. So, okay, before we sign off here, uh, Doug, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you this question the last time you were on because I didn't, I wasn't asking it at this point. So, here's your turn. Uh, if what uh, Dylan album, if you could sit on any sessions of any Dylan album, what Dylan album would it be? Oh my goodness! Oh, Rob, you blindsided me. Um, <laughs> have you not been listening to the show lately? I, I, I have, I have, I have. Yeah, yeah. Put the ruler down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, uh, but but I but I, I didn't think of of a, of a response to this. I think "Shot of Love" would be a fun album to sit down in in, in the sessions for, um, it, 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 including being able to like hang out at his house or whoever's house it was where the dogs were barking. <laughs> <laughs> I that yes, that would have been amazing to be in the room when the dogs are barking during every grain of sand like that. I just. <laughs> that would have been so cool to look around. Like what was everybody's reaction when that happened? Was that supposed to happen or like, what? You know, yeah, that would have been really good. Yeah. And you would have every, it's, it's funny. People's answers are, they're always, some people go for like songs of, you know, an album that's their favorite. Some people go for like most bang for their buck kind of thing. Like the basement tapes, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, well, I get to hang in with them for two months. And other people have said, you know, the Woolberries, cause obviously you get to hang with a beetle, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, shot of love, like he worked on that record a long time, like a long. So that's another one. You would be getting a lot of session time. Uh, yeah. And worked on this great song. record. Yeah. I, I've been listening to a lot of, of that era and um, like that. The song isn't worth it. Um, I, I know, you know you this, love that song. I know you talk about that on Twitter. Yeah. You love that. Song. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's such an underrated song. And I think it's one of those out, those, uh, those songs from the cutting room floor that it's, you know, it's a shame it didn't get on the album, but you know, it's a perfect album. So I, I can't complain too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a perfect. That's a great answer. So, well, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Well, if you want more of my bad takes, um, <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember my handle. I think it's Kojo Doug uh, at K O J O D O G. Um, Kojo Douglas. Kojo is, the Ghanaian name for somebody who's born on a Monday, just in case anybody's wondering. It's, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I do a lot of, uh, do a lot of my Bob Dylan stuff on there, but I, I also have a blog where I talk about Kava, which is a uh, South Pacific route. Um, that's called the Kava sewer. Uh, so you can, you can Google that if, if you're interested in, you know, getting into something obscure, but yeah, that's about it. Did we talk? We must have talked about it probably on the first time you were on because you spend a lot of time in Ghana. That like, has Bob ever performed in Africa? Like, is that the only country he has? I mean, right? I don't think we. I thought I think we talked about this before that like he's that's like the one. I mean, obviously like Antarctica, he's not played in, but like <laughs> populated nations. I don't think there's any. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think he has. Yeah, I've, I've done some. I've done some research on it. I don't. I, I think he's probably traveled there as, as a, you know, as a curious person, but I don't think he's ever put on a performance. I mean, he's not, you know, he didn't get involved in the, you know, Paul Simon got involved in the, the uh, South Africa. Right. right, right. Uh, He might've done, did he do, um, was it farm aid or live aid? He did. Well, yeah, he was at both. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, farm aid is more of a U.S. thing, but yeah. 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 And live aid did live aid was in, he did that in Philly. So uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I guess he I guess he has it. Well, you know, the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour yeah. is, is a world. It's a it's calling it a world tour. So yeah. you know, who know? Oh, by the way, I should have asked you. Have you seen him? Did you have you seen him on this tour yet? Rob, I did, and um, it was uh, very very impressive. I, I went to see him in Washington D.C. 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because we were yeah. talking about that. So yeah, yeah. Oh, well, what we, but as we're, as we're wrapping up, what were your what, what were your impressions of the show? You know, it was interesting because it was the first show that I went to where I knew exactly what the set list was going to look like, mm-hmm. um, and and that was fine. I, it's it, you know I, I was okay with that. Um, so I kind of went to it with more of like a like like I was going to a play or something mm-hmm. where I you know I knew that this was a, a complete performance that he had kind of meticulously put together and um so the excitement that i used to get when i would see dylan in like the early 2000s and in the late 90s where his set lists were just completely different every night that that was kind of lost um but i i was really really impressed with how the different songs from rough and rowdy ways affected me differently than they did uh you know listening to the album um in particular, Mother of Muses and um, uh, Key West. It was interesting because I thought that was going to be like the sh- the highlight of the show, but it was a little bit fast, and I was like, okay, that was that was okay. And then mm-hmm. every grain of sand blew me away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was an amazing concert, uh, one of the best I've ever seen Dylan do. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, that's great. So, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, except awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for coming back. You know, it's always fun talking to you. So uh, again, thank you for doing this, man. Absolutely, Rob. It's always a pleasure, and uh, hopefully that jacket uh, is is in the mail sometime. <laughs> when you, we got one more, you got you got to do one more after that. Then That's you get right. then you get That's the right. one. So, uh, of course, everybody, you can find all the back episodes of Pod Dylan on our website, FineWaterPodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice, and then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, let's go to patreoncom podcast and there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So, big thanks to Robert Ward. Steve Cronin, Max Hussle, George Jordy, Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. When the feeling of the blues has been generated into an individual, it gives him a new life and a new feeling within himself. Now, one of the ways to generate this particular feeling is someone to come up singing and expressing a part of your life that you know is a fact. Now, when you know this is a fact and someone expressing it with feeling, it naturally generates a feeling in you. I say anybody can have the blues if it's generated into them.